A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. Hey friends, before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to have a real quick chat with you. Um, I have something to tell you, something you probably already know, and that it's that I love making this podcast. I love A Tiny Revolution. I love overall making content about the queer Christian experience. And the thing I love most about it is how many of you I've connected with over the past two years. I've connected and talked with folks who are finally feeling like they have permission to live the life they've always dreamed they could. People who have said they've connected with the stories on the podcast, the ideas from the blog, and the new theological concepts that we're starting to introduce to people through the YouTube channel. To be honest, a lot of my ideas for the blogs and the podcasts and the videos, all of this comes from people who write in, who comment, who ask questions, questions who engage with the work. So honestly, I have you to thank for everything that I've been doing. And on top of that, it's listeners and followers, people like you who also make this work possible through financial support. It does take a lot of time to produce podcasts and it takes time to write the script and record the videos and it costs money for hosting fees for the blog and the podcast to license music that we use in certain episodes of the podcast and it's all made possible by folks like you. People who don't think that they have the ability to make a difference or an impact in the world, but honestly, you really do. The majority of people, if you want to get statistical about it, the majority of the people who are supporting this work are giving less than $10 a month. And that's probably as much as you spent on your breakfast or maybe as much as I spent on tacos today, if I'm being honest. So this month, I've got an idea that I want to see if we can actually make happen together. It's And it is going to be asking something of you dear listener, to help make this work more sustainable, more regular, and improve the quality of the content, I'm asking for 100 people to become sustaining partners and pledge to give $7 a month to help make this work more regular, improve the quality of the content, and actually help support other creators. And there's a huge perk in becoming sustaining partner, which I'm going to tell you about a little bit later in the podcast, so that that just like percolate in your mind a little bit. Get it? There's a perk that comes with it, and it's going to percolate in your mind. <laughs> oh, I hate. I hate myself, too. Don't worry. Um, puns. Anyways, that was a horrible joke. That's the only uh, horrible joke I'll make on this podcast, hopefully. I'll tell you more about that reward and that perk later on in the podcast. But for right now, I just want to say thank you for being a listener and supporter so far. And I'm happy that you decided to join me today. Let's get started. Hello, my name is Kevin Garcia, and you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. Y'all, welcome to another episode. We are getting closer to episode 40, and I'm sorry that I've been gone for a while. Life be crazy. I've been moving. My boyfriend just moved to town. So like trying to get settled, trying to figure out things around jobs, money, etc. It's been a little bit of a challenge, but we're back and we are... My goal is to get back on that weekly podcast rotation, and I do have some help with a new friend. So a couple quick announcements before we jump into everything. Um, friend of the podcast, Amber Cantorna, who was on here right before GCN last year, she just finished her book, Refocusing My Family, Coming Out, Being Cast Out, and Discovering the True Love of God. It is now available uh, from Fortress Press. You can get it online. You can Google it. You can go to Amber's website. But it's so good. It's so good. I'm so excited for her and the whole story. She's also going on book tour. You can get in touch with her and all of her information on her website. 
Another announcement, another friend of the podcast, Sarah Heath, just launched her podcast. It's called Sonderlust. There's going to be a little bit of an adver- advertisement in the middle of the podcast today. Um, but uh, yours truly is actually going to be on an episode of that. And I'm super duper excited about that. So you can go over to SonderlustPodcast.com to learn all about that and subscribe in Apple iTunes. Um, I know I keep on saying this. Reformation Project in Chicago is happening in like two-ish weeks. I can't believe it's already here. I, I'm going to be there working with Reformation Project and doing social media for them while I'm there. But if you are going to be there, please tweet at me, text me, let me know if you're going to be there because I'd love to connect with you. Um, there's going to be plenty of downtime to socialize, to grab a drink, to grab some food. So come out and meet and hang out, get some community. And if you have not registered already, you can go to reformationproject.org slash Chicago and get all the information and details there. Lastly, I am excited to share with you, it's kind of like officially unofficial, but I'm going to be helping lead worship again at the Gay Christian Network Conference in Denver this year at the end of January. All the information is at gaychristian.net. I'm also hopefully going to be doing some workshops, but that is to be determined. So yeah, a lot of really, really good, exciting things happening this winter, eh? I don't know why I said A like I'm some sort of Canadian. Maybe because I wish I was, because the state of this country is falling apart. Am I right, Barbara? Am I right? (laughs) Anyways, I am excited about today's conversation, so let me introduce my friend, the wonderful Crystal Cheatham, to you. You may remember Crystal as the creator of the Identity Kit for Queer Christian Youth, Follow the Red Balloon Campaign, or the queer Christian folk singer that passed through your town once upon a time like a million years ago. She is also the gal around town writing queer faith articles for Philadelphia Gay Newspaper, The Huffington Post, The New Civil Rights Movement, and other online publications. In all of her writing, singing, and performing, she's been candid about her time growing up in a fundamentalist church and how confusing it was to come out and deal with the whole clusterfuck that is second puberty, being a black woman in America, and a lesbian, all while documenting this journey through music, her podcast, Lord Have Mercy, videos, articles, and the like. Most recently, Crystal successfully completed her Indiegogo campaign for something called the Our Bible App, a Bible app that is specifically designed and created for the spiritual other, LGBTQ folks, people of color, women, etc., etc. And we'll get all of that extensively in this conversation as well as share with her story. So, y'all, I feel like in this conversation, I met kind of like my soul sister. Um, she's an amazing, amazing person, and I'm excited to share this with you. So go ahead, grab yourself something to drink or your friend or get grab something. Grab the table in front of you. Grab hold of the spirit, y'all, and enjoy this conversation with my new soul sibling, Crystal Cheatham. a lesbian i'm a christian i'm a black woman um i live in philadelphia and i have been a queer christian activist uh i think since 2011 so um doing this work and in my creative time i sing and i play guitar and um i've been a writer uh most of my professional life and i think I think that's I think that's mostly what what people see when they look me up on the internet is uh right. my writing and my singing and and I guess this app that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane. So um I assume like many people with our kind of 
identifiers being queer and Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian environment or did it, is it something you discovered later in life? Oh, yeah, I did. I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist, so oh. very strict religious background that was based around like family and music and, you know, really good, really healthy food. But I guess the main part of, uh, of the community is um, having a, a biblical lifestyle as close as you can. And so um, just growing up in that fundamentalist space where we, you know, went to church on Saturday and we kept the Sabbath and we kept kosher and, you know, all of that, um, it instilled in me a huge uh, faith in God and um, I think uh, a moral compass um, that is aligned with most Christians. Um, But also it didn't quite allow me to experience or understand my identity to its to to its full potential. So, you know, eventually I just had to segue out of that space and figure out who I was. <laughs> right. I'm sure that was like uh uh along the lines of your coming to terms with your sexuality um along with your religious background. I'm sure like many of us it was kind of a tumultuous transition. Yeah, you know, I don't think any of any of us get off scot free. <laughs> right. Uh, there's there's always a price and a penalty to pay, but um, once you find your people, once you find your people, you can definitely um, figure out uh, where you belong and what you believe and how you're going to conduct your life. And I think I definitely went through the the growing pains of like that second puberty of trying to figure out mm-hmm. who I was in God's eyes and in my parents' eyes and who I thought I was and who my friends were and what I, what I worshiped or who I worshiped. And it was tough. It was tough, but I did, I did find a couple organizations that really helped me out a lot, like the Attic Youth Center here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, the William Wake Community Center, which is Philly's, uh, LGBT center, um, and Soul Force as well. I worked yeah. with, right. Um, and I think lastly was um, my master's program uh, in California. Antioch uh, has a, uh, a MFA program where like I think two thirds of the of the student body were all queer in some way. That sounds At least beautiful. I, yeah. So it was like I came right out of college um, and I had just I had recently come out. And so jumping from like a uh, I went to a a seventh-day Adventist school in Michigan. So leaving Michigan and going to California, you know, leaving like I go to church every Saturday to California where it's like, and this is another, you know, poetry reading and this is music and, you know, this is like what a party's like. I mean, it totally blew my mind, but I also found my people there and coming to Philadelphia um, also found my people here. So, (laughs) you know, we all do it. Oh, absolutely. I think like, it was the same thing for me. Like my transition was from being in missionary world, like evangelical missionary world. Yeah. And then, uh, along the lines of my coming out was like, I moved to Atlanta and I fell like directly into a community of queer Christians. Cause there's like, uh, a pretty active queer Christian community here in Atlanta. Yeah. And so I had a, in the way of people, I found them immediately, but in the way of, how I related to church and my faith, it was like almost different because like I could not find a space where I was allowed to participate 
in the ways that I had been used to, which is like I was a worship leader and I was uh, on the prayer team and I was someone who kind of had a, like, you know, it's very interesting how like people will learn one detail about you and then your entire testimony is then like invalidated because you happen to be a queer person. And that's so nuts to me. That's exactly how I felt. And I was a music leader, so I was on stage. And I thought that when I left undergrad, I would start a music ministry for youth because those are the people that I worked with. And then to have that just like Mm co-opted, basically, other version of me that they, you know, didn't like. It was just so freaking weird. And it broke my heart. And um to this day, I, I still have problems with the Adventist church, but um, I'm glad that I was able to separate um, church life from spirituality. So be- mm, yes. spirituality, um, and I know that's not easy for a lot of people, um, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I think building this app is so important because um, we all need support and it's not always within arm's reach in our communities and our churches with our pastors and um, being able to access church on a phone um, and kind of go through that uh, devotional therapy is, um, is, I think is going to repair so much of our community um, that has needed this for a while. Yeah. I think like, that's like the one thing I was so excited to, to hear as well was like it wasn't just going to be like oh you have access to the bible because like yeah. you know you can go to any bible app with that but um that's something yeah. I, I found a lot too is just like all these different apps out there devotional apps that were built with um not us in mind you know yeah. people who have experienced a lot of hurt from the church a lot of uh kind of like spiritual trauma or abuse like knowing that you can like open up something uh, like a devotional and wonder whether or not you're going to get like re-triggered or re-traumatized by something. Yeah. So I think what I have found so interesting about Christianity in general is that, um, so let's say you become saved and you, you go to a church and, Um, or you're not saved. You just decide to go to a church and you're sitting there and you're talking to people and come to find out, you know, you are totally comfortable with like premarital sex or smoking and drinking or whatever. And everybody else in the church frowns down upon these things. And it's like, it's whatever your quote unquote sin is, even though I don't think any of those are sins for your whatever it is that you that you do there's no reason why somebody should look down on you for not having learned what they know you know so if you you're, if you if a church member has learned that um their relationships don't work very well when they're having sex before marriage they shouldn't be so condescending as to look down on somebody else who hasn't learned that lesson yet mm-hmm. and i think that's exactly what Christianity has become. It's become a club where unless you know the rules and know the stripes to wear, then they're going to, you're, you're going to feel like shit, you know? Yeah. And what I hope they, this app does is, um, 
speaks to the spectrum of spiritualities out there where it doesn't matter, you know, where you are along your spiritual path, you should be able to find something uh, that speaks to your heart and helps you get to the next level, whatever that level is. And so unlike those other apps out there, we actually have um, devotionals that are, you know, prime and ready for those, you know, theological um, seminarian types, <laughs> you know, where it, it's a very biblical based. And then we have those devotionals that um, just talk about the the ego or the good naturedness of people and um, how to forgive somebody. And um, and yeah, so, yeah. As like right now, so I recently started a house church with um, some people oh, in my community, so yeah. um, and it's led by queer people and people of color and women, and we have so many different types of people. And I think what I keep finding is that the person who comes to our meetings are people who are like exactly what you were talking about. People who grew up in the church, who have a love for, uh, you know, for Jesus, but then you know, because of this one thing, because we believe or think differently. Yeah. It's a, they don't, they don't quite feel comfortable with people. I totally agree. And, um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that, you know? Um, so the app is launching on October 11th with just national coming out day. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, and we chose that day, not because this app is just for LGBTQ people, but, because we believe that church is the first place that people should come out and not the last. When you find out something as big as, you know, what your orientation is or your gender presentation is, there I mean, what you want to do is share it with the people who who share your heart, you know, who you share your heart with. Right, and, right. you know, for me, especially growing up in a church, you know, I wish that when I had come out to my church, they embraced me and they said, oh, my goodness, this is great. Um, or if they had a problem with it, that they embraced me and said, hey, let's talk about this, you know, instead of just the shunning and the, you know, all of a sudden I'm not included. And I mean, it's bullshit, man. It's yeah. bullshit. So <laughs> National Coming Out Day is when we're doing it. And um, we're super excited. So excited. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm also so glad that we're having this conversation now so I can get this up by Monday so we can let all the people know. Yeah. Um, um, and I th- I know, like, the, the same thing for me, like, as I was struggling to talk about this stuff, like, I w- like, it was so strange to me that, like, for so long, my church was a safe place to talk about things like depression or, yeah. um, you know, we ha- were a safe place to talk about racial identity. But then as soon as, like, I crossed this line into thinking differently about sexuality and gender, uh, my church, like, uh, put the guardrails up and said, nope, you got to walk the straight and narrow when it comes to Isn't this so question. Weird? Yeah. Isn't it so weird? Because it's like, um, you can you can talk to us about anything, but because of this thing about purity culture and how we view sex in the body and how we're really not allowed to talk about it ever. Now that, you know, somebody is tell is express is expressing something to me about their sex- sex- sexuality, I get freaked out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like to me it just seems like it's a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear, but I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I mean, it happened a while ago, and that's why we're in therapy for it. <laughs> Every queer person I know is in therapy. I know. Ain't that it's so interesting. Like and like uh, I uh, in my in my house church we have 
three 18-year-olds who are, like, fresh out of high school, like, either in community college or just starting college. Um, but they all went to, like, a big mega church here in Atlanta and grew up in a mega church environment. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me that they've gone from this huge, big programmatic place, but because, like, their story was not able to be held, like, they're now finding Jesus in a living room with a bunch of other misfits and, you know, yeah. you know sharing sharing the, the bread and the cup with, uh, you know, like, it, it's, ama- it's, it's beautiful and amazing to me that just, like, one place that has so many resources yeah. still could not feed somebody. Mm. And, like, it's uh, what makes me so excited is that, like, this app is going to be one of those things that starts to feed people again because I know so many LGBTQ people and like post church people who mm-hmm. still want to be connected with their faith but they can't oh, yeah. uh, because like walking into a church building is so freaking hard for them yeah and what I'm finding is that um, I know everybody makes fun of millennials but I'm a millennial so mm-hmm. yeah here we go all that I live in. Um, but we are more and more curious about um, spirituality than we ever have been before you know mm, like yeah we, we're not institutional kind of people we don't love institutions we are entrepreneurs and you know at, we, we're so independent um and it's really interesting that when it comes to religion i think so many of us can um di- can take religion and separate it from spirituality and really start to figure out what that what that thing is mm-hmm. you know? um i forget where i was going with this but <laughs> well for you can i like kind of like play off of that is like you know for you is there a difference between like religion and spirituality for you or is it kind of a, a mixture of both but how would you define like religion and spirituality for yourself yeah so i guess when i think about religion i think about the the traditions um and maybe even liturgy that come along with um having a church body and a community and a family. And when you have that church body and that family, what you really have is a a common mindset. Whereas with spirituality, um, you have all the feelings and you can have that community, but you don't all have to believe the same exact thing. And um, right now I'm going to a non-denominational church and I really appreciate that everybody gathers in a room and we can sing and praise God. And when the, when the preacher gives a message, um, he can, uh, he or she or they can express, um, what they have, they can express the Bible in very many ways. But, um, when we sit down and talk together about, you know, what we believe heaven and hell are, or, um, what, what we, how we think that, um, people should relate to each other in relationships that it's okay if we disagree. And I think that's heavily dependent on, uh, where our spirit leads us in our lives and how we theologize our own experiences. So I just, I think that religion is a, um, religion is kind of like an exoskeleton for the very flowy and, and, and sensitive and beautiful thing that is spirituality. And we can't ever let the, the religion, the exoskeleton become the whole thing because the living organism is actually spirituality. Yes. And like, what I think is so interesting is like the scriptures, especially the Bible refer to the Holy spirit, uh, like in, in terms of water, in terms of something that's flowing and moving. Mm -hmm. And like, 
you know, the reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it's not moving, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very interesting, well, like, yeah, right? And so, like, there's like, so the, many ways to think about it because water takes on the shape of, of the, of the of vessel. Yeah. You know, and water changes things. Water can, water has the power to, to carve through mountains. And, um, you know, that, that's the imagery is incredible. Yeah. And I think there's also like, um, water and then like how the, like the, so like the, even, I think it's like, uh, the Irish, like the Irish mystics would say that like, rather than like a dove, the Holy Spirit is like a wild goose. And so just like, because the wild goose follows the wind, you know, it goes where it wants to. Um, and it's just like, there's like so much, like, and I, I just resonate so much with that idea that so many times people will take like the tradition and make that the central focus of a faith rather than, um, allowing yourself to experience something, experience something new and, allow that allow you to like fold yourself like fold it into you like even if it's not a strictly christian experience yeah like i know that there's been moments where i have been singing with a choir for example when i was in college and we got to uh perform with eric whitaker and eric whitaker is a uh self uh self-proclaimed non-religious person but like performing his music in mass with a symphony like that is a spiritual experience where like I, I brushed up against the divine mm. and there's so many moments like that where, um, I think like, like you're right, like millennials and just like our, our generation of spiritual people are beginning to look at everything in such a, a broader spectrum of understanding it's like, Oh yeah, we thought we knew, but we really don't have any idea. I know. I think we used to be so terrified, at least our parents were, maybe when we were younger, about seeing um, the topic or the discussion of God and religion and spirituality being discussed in popular culture. But now I see all of these shows coming out, like there's Preacher, there on, uh, I think, FX, there's uh, the Young Pope, which is on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that's like The Good Place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Bell in it, um, all of these things discussing, you know, what life and death and the afterlife, which is really interesting. Um, I wanted to say when you were talking just about like, um, the church itself, I, um, and, you know, breaking rules in general, some people enjoying the tradition more than the actual, the meat of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Seventh-day Adventist, we had to go to church on, on Saturday. And I say had because, I mean, we really didn't even have a, we didn't have a choice. Mm. <laughs> but, um, um, there, we always told a story about, uh, Jesus and how he had, um, he had his disciples. They were all following him. And one day he came across a farmer whose oxen had fallen in, in a, in a well. And I don't know if he was telling this story or if this actually happened, Mm -hmm. but his proposition was, do you just let this guy's oxen, his, his, his livelihood die or because it's the Sabbath or do you get down and, and dig it out? And the answer was, of course you get down and you dig it out. And that in itself, doing that work is breaking the Sabbath. But at no time is your religion supposed to come before, you know, um, life. And for Mm. me, everyday life. And for me, um, what the Adventists wanted me to do was put religion before figuring out what my life was. Mm -hmm. I honestly say that if I didn't come out and I stayed an Adventist and I got married to a man, I mean, I... 
I don't think I would be here anymore because it's just so dreary and so um, counter the person that I know myself to be inside. Yeah. And that's the danger of religion is that people um, sink their teeth into it and, and use it as a way to just kind of block things out, whether it's blocking out someone else's humanity or even blocking out their own. You know, it's, it's such a dangerous thing outside of spirituality. We're going to take a quick break from the conversation, but we'll be right back with more conversation with Crystal. Hold tight. When I was in high school, I won most likely to succeed. I have a master's degree from a fairly uh, difficult school to get into. I happen to be a person who owns their home in Southern California. That's unique. I have a career. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I have a dog. I have a lot of friendships. My life should be incredibly fulfilling. And yet, when I look at my own life, it seems like it's not measuring up. At least not measuring up when you think about most likely to succeed. So how is it exactly that I haven't succeeded? Well, I never got married and I never had those kids. I also have a job that I like, but I don't know that it's my purpose or my soul calling. I feel like somehow I've gotten to the top of things, but it's not quite right. Something is missing. Recently, I learned a word, sonder. The realization that all of us are living different lives, but there's something more. See, there's a lust in all of us, a, a drive in all of us to, to believe that other people are living lives that are better than ours. And it doesn't take long through scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or even looking at the different things that I see people pin on Pinterest that I feel as though somehow my life doesn't equal. I called my best guy friend. My best guy friend is a character that you're going to get to know well. Don't try to be anyone other than John. Harry Connick Jr. is pretty cool, though. He challenged me to a year of figuring out exactly how it is I want to live my life. So challenge is one, and you have to love your job. I like my job. Okay, what else? Okay, dating. Here's the big one. You need to go on dates, good or bad. So the third thing is... My palms are literally sweating right now. The, the third thing is you have to love where you live. The fourth challenge is you must find friends outside your work circle. Right now, I believe that too many of the people you're hanging around with are associated with work, and I think you have a hard time separating the two. So that's what I've got. 52 weeks. 52 weeks to stop having Sonderless. Some of the questions we're going to look at are, do I even believe in love? Does it matter what my job is? Does where I live really matter that much? I'm going to talk to a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me. They're going to give me challenges and different steps to take. So together, let us take some time. Let us explore. It's scary. It's exciting. And it's the beginning of something new. So I've got a little bit of a story for you. Did you know that A Tiny Revolution actually started out as a conversation with someone at the Wild Goose Festival last year? And that somebody was actually my friend Sarah Heath, who just launched her podcast and you just heard a little advertisement for. Her new podcast is called Sonderless, and it's her, as you heard, 52-week journey to trying to figure out why she is so envious of other people's lives and how she can become more in touch with her own. You can check out that podcast at saunderlustpodcast.com. It's also over in iTunes. Go subscribe. I'm going to be on that podcast pretty soon. I'm so excited to share in that journey. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to love it. Sarah has always been someone who continually tells me that I'm not dreaming big enough and to ask for the bigger blessings and really see what God can do. She's been such an encourager of this work. 
so I'm in a season right now where like I'm starting to dream a little bit bigger to see if I can actually do the damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Over the past two years, we've been able to connect with so many people, thousands of people. And just to share the analytics with you real quick, it's thousands of folks across 45 different countries. And that to me is insane. Around an, around a thousand folks uh, look at the videos on YouTube every month, which is understandable because that was my latest project that just started over the summer. Around 5,000 folks listen to the podcast per month, which is pretty astounding. And on average, 10,000 people come to the blog to read. So 16,000 people per month. People you never think that you're you're impacting. But then, you know, you show up to a conference and I've, I've met folks that have said like, you know, that blog you wrote was really helpful. Or that that podcast helped me come out to my family. Or a comment on YouTube from a kid in a small town who's holding on to hope. That reminds me why I started doing this kind of stuff. It's because there are people out there who still believe that they're alone. There are still people out there who are trying to hold fast to hope. People who are still in conservative communities, who are a part of conservative families. People who desperately need to hear a good word about who God created them to be. That's why I create these resources, the podcast and the blog and and the YouTube channel, because I believe that literally like being a single voice out there can make such a big difference. And I've seen it firsthand. And I've got a big dream, y'all. I want to do more. I want to reach more people. I want to create more content so that folks can get some hope. People can get resources that are going to lead them into a fearlessly authentic life that we all know we're capable of living. And so that's why this month I'm asking specifically, and I'm interrupting you in the middle of the podcast, to ask a favor of you. I'm asking for 100 of you out there to give just $7 a month to help support this work. That would help us pay for the editing of the podcast, hosting fees would allow me to get out from under the hours I have to serve in the restaurant just to make ends meet, which is what I'm doing. Just $7 a month. That's what I'm asking. And that's like 23 cents a day. That's what you paid for your iced coffee this morning, probably. Uh, That's less than what you're going to pay for your tacos or drinks this weekend. That is a small sacrifice that is going to make a huge difference in the amount of creative work that I know we can create on a monthly basis. Just so you know what I'm planning on using that money for, um, not just paying my bills, although that really helps so I can you know, become more full-time at this, but my plan is to use that funding to get a better camera, to get a better microphone for both the podcast and for the YouTube channel, uh, better software to create more engaging videos. I actually am going to be hiring a podcast editor to produce content faster. There's an office space I want to rent out at a local church that is deeply committed to intersectional justice, which also helps them out with their mission on the local level. Guys, like, there's so much we can do together as a community. And and additionally with those funds, like, I can dedicate the majority of my weeks to working on creating blogs and podcasts and YouTube videos for people who are desperately in need of empowerment people who are in desperate need of a good word and for resources to help them live bigger, better, brighter lives. And on top of that, there is a perk that's going to go along with this because I know capitalism is real and we don't want to give something if we ain't getting anything, right? So if you feel like you're one of those people who want to give $7 a month to this, I've been working on writing a daily spiritual devotional that is going to incorporate prayer, meditation, holy scripture and a way for you to really get grounded in your spiritual practices and on november 1st it's going to go live i'm planning on having it be a continuing part of my ministry to write daily devotionals to help people get reconnected with their faith and scripture and prayer and really reconnect with themselves 
And that is also what that $7 a month is going to go to help fund is the time it takes to write that and edit that and make sure that it is of quality. And it's going to come straight to your inbox. And there's other perks associated with being a supporter as well including t-shirts that I just sent out to all my Patreon supporters, Skype calls, Google Hangouts, and uh, anything else. If you're looking for something else, I'd be willing to do it for you. So, my dear friend, here's a question. Do you think that this work is important? Has like, has any of this been a good thing for you? Because I, I honestly, I think I know, actually, that we're filling a need in the market right now for people who don't have the resources to turn to when there's too many voices out there saying that they're not good enough, that the way they're created to be is sinful, that there's no hope. I believe that we can make a difference in this world. I believe that the internet is one of the biggest blessings that God has given us, and we need to use our time, energy, resources, and our and our cash to impact the lives of those around us just on the other side of a keyboard. So I'm asking you, Will you partner with me? Just a hundred of y'all, seven dollars a month can make a huge difference. I'll keep you updated every week as just so I can tell you where we all are in our campaign. So keep an eye on the blog, keep an ear to the podcast, and I am I'm hopeful. So if you want to become a supporter and lock yourself into that dope reward, head on over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. Thank you so much in advance. I look forward to collaborating with you. Now, let's get back to the conversation. I hear you and I relate to you so hard. Like, right? High that five. was, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Uh, so it was the same thing for me. It was like, I was so uh, bought into, because like the evangelical brain, it was like a Pentecostal ish evangelicalism that I was in, where women were equal, were sort of equal, but not really. Um, and queer people, you know, you should seek divine healing from the spirit because anything is possible miracles, signs and wonders in the whole nine yards. And, you know, I still believe in the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but it's one of these things where just like, yes, I believe that God can do anything, but will God do anything just because I ask, you know, if I just believe hard enough and that it was, it was one of these things where, um, I, like like you just said, like, you know, if you stayed there, like, you had been married to a man, etc. Like, I was, you know, dating a woman, and we were meeting the folks, the whole nine yards. And oh it was really dreary for me because, like, there was this whole part of me that I suppressed for yeah. so long in the name of adhering to the institution to which I pledged my allegiance. And I think there's a big difference between pledging your allegiance to uh, to the living God um, and there's a big di- and pledging your allegiance to an institution. Um, yes. and that is, um, it's a, it's a crazy thing to start questioning what you thought was quote unquote true for so long. And then knowing that you still like from these things that we, we brought in our, from our past, like there were good foundational truths there. Um, but like going beyond it, there was, um, Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber said this um, mm. at a talk that I heard her give. And she said that with like the Reformate, like, you know, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation coming up, um, that she believes that the, the Reformation is not going to be because we're becoming more deeply theological or more deeply spiritual, um, but that we're going to be, become more deeply pastoral. And what she meant by that was exactly what you're saying is that 
it has little to do with um with like the uh it has little to do with like the 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 rules and regulations of religion and everything to do with what's right in front of us what people right in front of us are needing because yeah. um, like what what sorry go ahead what she's saying, like, it touches my heart and it makes me want to cry because um, a couple years ago I was at the Gay Christian Network conference and Broderick Greer got up to speak at the beginning. Girl, and, I was there. Oh, right? Jesus. It was so good. He was throwing out things about Black Lives Matter before we were ready for it. It was really good. That year but, was amazing. It was. And he uh, he opened up by talking about how we need to theologize our our experiences, you mm. know, and I took that because, um, you know, I went to school at Andrews University where they have a very prominent theological seminary. And mm-hmm. so studying how to theologi- the how to put your story, um, at, how to put it out there in a way that that people could could eat it up and 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 and, and, and worship with it, you know, mm-hmm. was something that people it took them years to figure out how to do. And then this idea that each of us has our own story and each of us can figure out a way to theologize it, a way to to um, write it into the text of someone else's life was just like mind blown. And so yeah. it, it's, it's like this 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 thing is spreading. This thing is spreading. And one of the magical things about the app is that we are inviting people to submit devotionals. We're mm-hmm. asking them to submit devotionals. Um, many bloggers have come forward and said, hey, I would love it if you use this material. Um, and so far, we have things across the gamut. We have things about depression and mental illness, and we have things about abortion and like badass moms, and we have things about um, the LGBT experience, and all of it ties back into scripture, and all of it ties back into um, a time and a place where somebody was touched significantly, you know, by by the by the wing of God, by the breath of God, and I think it is kind of like we're all breaking apart in our own different spaces, but it's it's unifying in such a crazy way, you know, like it's the idea the idea of this app. Um, came out of nowhere, but it excites me every single damn day. Every day I get excited about it in a new way. Um, and I really hope that that people feel that same way too. <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt that this app is going to be something that's going to be instrumental in the development of a lot of people's um, kind of reconstruction of their faith. Because I feel like deconstruction is like such a buzzword these days about people like going through and deconstructing what they think about blah, 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 blah. And so many people and like rightfully so and people need to have that kind of like explosion of faith where everything crashes and burns. And for me, I, I got stuck there for about a year of just like, okay, I'm angry. I've set everything on fire. Everything is ashes now. And now (laughs) what do I do? And if I would have had something where you know, an app where, like where, where there was a devotional written for a queer person yeah. where I could read it and say, Hey, you know, like this is something in the Bible that was kind of queer, you know, yeah. like, look at this relationship or, you know, how, you know, the, the, all the different ways. Cause like now I read scripture and I go through it and I, I can finally see myself in the text again. And I think that's like, that is it. That's right there. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's finally like, you know, that's why I believe, like, you know, I still believe the scripture is, like, divinely inspired, because I'm just, like, I used to read this one way, 
And because now I have eyes to see it in a different light, like it's kind of like the gym has been turned and there's new light, new color, new nuance coming through it every single time. And yeah. the fact that like, it's the text of an oppressed people. Mm-hmm. Like that's what so many people like, I think forget is like the Bible was written by yeah. oppressed people yeah, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. been co-opted by uh, a big fat empire. And like, mm-hmm. now we're getting to the point where we're just like, guess what? You don't own this. You don't have the monopoly. Exactly. You don't have the monopoly on Holy scripture. You can't keep me out of this. Yeah. Even if yeah. you tried, even if you tried, it's not going to happen. Yeah. The water of life just flows too freely. <laughs> that was like, when you said that thing about like a uh, Roger, Gere, he was actually on my podcast, like at the beginning of it way back when I should read really? Yeah, it's a cool guy. <laughs> Such a neat dude. Um, but like the the thing like it always stuck with me is that some, he said some people do theology from the purchase of power and some people do it as like a means of survival. Yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, birthing this app and like getting it together and getting all these collaborators has been uh, not just a means of like kind of like reclaiming space for your faith, but maybe even a means of just like, this is the thing God put in you and you had to do it to survive. It's definitely that. Um, and, I, and I'll say I have done different versions of this app my ever since I came out. Even before I came out, I did a project called the Identity Kit, which uh, I mean, sorry, was uh, follow the red balloon, <laughs> you know, which was about um, getting people to talk about their identities. And then it was the identity kit, you know, and th- and now and now it's the app. And it, it I feel like I failed so many times in my life and not achieved the thing that I wanted to achieve or done some random job and thought, why did I have to do that? It was just so frustrating. It took so much time. Um, or it's just, just wasn't me. And now that I'm working on this app, it's like all of those random experiences are coming together and I have experience to actually do this thing. And I'll say right now, I'm a one woman army right now. I have a few people who, you know, are giving me a couple hours of their time each week. But I mean, like I am making the phone calls and emailing and, you know, writing things and, and it's, it's, it's tough. It really is hard. And I often, cry or want to cry or set things on fire. But I will also say that I am having the time of my life. I really am. And I would have it no other way. And I can't. And I do believe I do believe this is this is something that I have to do. Um, whether whether I can afford to pay my rent or not, which is another story we will not talk about right now. Girl, I know I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like, I got to Right, I got to make the podcast. I got to make the YouTube videos. I got to do the thing because it's like the thing no. that God has put in me. And then I'm gonna worry about rent in a minute. You know? Yeah, I just I can't right now. I will in a minute, but yeah, um, yeah. All all in its all in its time. All in good yeah. time. I'm so like from one creative to another. I am so pumped and I'm so proud of you for like. Thanks. I, I know I don't even know you at all, but like I, I just resonate so much with your drive to create, and it's uh, it's so encouraging for me, um, to see you doing this and see like to see not only like you like going after the thing that God has put in your heart, but like seeing it succeed, 
Like, I mean, thank you for saying that. That's it feels really good because I do feel that, you know, I've I've met a, a kindred soul, you know, through this conversation. Yeah. But I mean, your lips to God's ears that this thing um, doesn't flop because I mean, me paying my rent is one thing, but affording an app is a whole other thing. Jesus, and like, yes. We're looking for sponsors. We're looking for all kinds of, you know, financial goodies to to help us get to the next month. And um, that's a constant prayer that I'm praying. But uh... that was my conversation with Crystal Cheatham. If you want to connect with her, you can find her on all the social media at Crystal Cheatham. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-H-E-A-T-H-A-M. And also on her blog, crystalcheatham.com. Her podcast, Lord Have Mercy, can be found on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And the Our Bible app launches on Wednesday, October 11th. That's National Coming Out Day. And that can be found in the App Store. I can't freaking believe it. I'm so, 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 so excited. You can also follow the app on social media at the Our Bible app and at ourbibleapp.com. That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. As per usual, you can connect with me on all the social media, on the blog, and on YouTube. And as I said, 100 folks, 7 bucks. It's going to make a huge difference. Head on over to patreon.com slash Garcia to learn more about how you can become a sustaining partner in this work and creating queer Christian content to help the lives of others be fearlessly authentic. Another easy way you can help this podcast is by going to the Apple iTunes store and leaving a review. It seriously helps with visibility and getting this podcast in front of people who need it. Thank you so much. I love you. Go see your therapist. Eat something. Drink some water. Dance a little. And yeah, my name is Kevin Garcia. This is a Tiny Revolution, and I love you so much. We'll talk soon, okay? Mwah.